So I've been trying lately to better understand the, I don't know what the right phrase is, the authoritarian left, the radical left, the intolerant left. And I think one of their philosophies is this idea that they love humanity, but they hate people. And I can, I can re- relate to that. There was definitely a time when I had the same philosophy. Most of the individuals that I came into contact with on a day-to-day basis, I didn't like or I was impatient with or I got angry with easily. But when I thought about humanity in general as sort of this abstraction, then I felt this sort of warm swell I felt this sense of, you know, protection and affection. But now my thoughts have changed. And I think this approach of loving humanity but hating people is exactly backwards. It, I don't know, it puts the cart before the horse. It just has, it's just wrong. And it's wrong because it doesn't seem feasible to love an ideal, to love an abstraction. What does that even mean? It's, it's a nice idea, but if you're filled with negative emotion towards the people that you actually interact with, then this warm feeling you have towards an abstraction doesn't mean much. And so I think these people think they're virtuous even when they treat the people on a day-to-day basis in their lives poorly. And so this kind of begs the question, what's the right approach to, to ethics, to how to treat people better? And, <laughs> and I, I went to the trouble to draw this little diagram, and it looks like a target. In the bullseye of the target is is you, you yourself. And then the next circle out, the next concentric circle out is family. And then the next one is your tribe or society. And then the one after that is this all-encompassing idea of of humanity, of of all people. And, you know, I, I really do think that you have to start in the center the left seems to think that you can just love everyone equally, immediately, no matter how different they are from you. And I I just don't think that's realistic. But if you start in the center, you can have an incremental step-by-step approach that gets you to the same place in a more sustainable way. And the first step is to treat yourself with respect. If, If you can't respect yourself, if you can't treat yourself properly, how are you possibly going to do right by others? I mean, you, in theory, it should be the easiest to treat yourself well. If you can't handle that, how are you going to treat a stranger or someone who treats you poorly with respect and with love? And this, you know, this gets to the Jordan Peterson idea that he talks about in his book, that you have to treat yourself as someone you're responsible for. You have to, in his phrase, clean your room. And, you know, when I try to think about this more, 
you know, I think you have to apply the golden rule. You have to do onto yourself as you would want others to do onto you. And you also have to use the silver rule, where you shouldn't treat yourself in a way that you wouldn't want to be treated by others. And, and I think it's important to remember that you have infinite potential. And your purpose is to nurture that potential. It's to develop your best self. In, um, in the language of, I suppose, Western religion, you need to tend to your soul. In the language of Taoism, perhaps, they would say, know thyself. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think about the announcement they make on airplanes where they say, you have to put your own mask on before assisting another. And I think that's exactly right, even though it seems a little selfish. Because if you don't have your mask on, you're going to be useless. You won't be able to help others. So if you want to be able to help others, you need to first get yourself sorted out. And then at that point, you have a chance of treating other people well of being tolerant and respectful and empathetic. I see this in my own life all the time. When I am happy with myself, when I respect myself, I find it much easier to treat others with respect, to understand them. But when I'm out of sorts, when I'm angry with myself, when I'm dissatisfied, I find it, I get angry with other people much faster. I lose I lose my connection to them much faster. And again, I think this needs to be an incremental approach. You sort yourself out, you have respect for yourself, and then you can help the people who you share the most with, which is your family. You have common goals with them. You have common interests. And so helping them is only one step beyond helping yourself. And then when you can treat your family well, despite the inevitable tensions and frictions, then you can start to figure out how to treat a stranger with respect, a stranger who lives down the street and still probably speaks the same language and maybe roots for the same sports team, but with whom you don't have as much exposure or interests or goals as you do with your family. And then once you figure out how to love your neighbor, then and I think only then, on a real sustainable basis, can you learn how to love humanity as a whole and treat someone with whom you have much less in common with the respect and with the empathy that they deserve. Again, this is a very individualistic approach. It's an approach that says, don't think about people as members of a group or as abstractions, but as a very concrete thing to be understood and connected with in the present moment. And I think this is why the left doesn't like this approach. They, let me put it this way, they seem to fear free speech. And they seem, again, trying to understand, trying to understand people I don't agree with, but they seem to draw a line of causality from free speech to violence. They 
they essentially distrust the individual. They, they fear that, it seems strange to say this, but they seem to fear that there are millions of people out there who are kind and good in their everyday lives now. But when they hear a conversation about ideas, are immediately going to go reach for the baseball bat, go outside and start attacking minorities in the street. They, they fear the individual left to his own devices, left to hear ideas that they disagree with, will immediately run amok and commit violence. And I think their fear of the individual, their fear of freedom itself, leads quickly to this distrust. It leads to anger, and it leads to hatred. And they start to see people not as individuals, but as, again, an abstract group that is dangerous, that needs to be told what to think and what they're allowed to hear and what they're allowed to do. And I say to myself, you know, that's a really cynical philosophy. It's a very anti-human philosophy because, you know, I acknowledge that humans have the capacity for evil, but this philosophy says we're one inch away from going out and destroying people who don't look like us. And only the power of the state can control that impulse. And I think that's just awful. This idea on the left that you need to have a self-appointed, self-righteous few dictating what all of us, the rest of us, can hear and think and do. And I think their approach isn't just cynical, but I think it's wrong. I think the idea that people are members of a group are wrong. People are, are individuals. And the way you get individuals to love each other, the way you get them to treat each other with respect and give each other the dignity they deserve is to bring them together, is to integrate them. And the left right now seems to be trying to se separate us into groups and to push those groups farther and farther apart. And I think the answer is the opposite. I think segregation creates racism. At a higher level, I think segregation creates hatred. It's this vicious cycle because when you don't have exposure to people, when you're ignorant of them, it gets very easy to be suspicious. It gets very easy to be fearful. And again, that leads to anger and that leads to hatred. If you don't interact with people, if you're separated from them, Again, that ignorance is very easy to take and twist into hatred of the other. But the more you're integrated with people who are somewhat different than you in sort of, you know, these superficial ways, the more I think we understand that people are pretty much the same in the areas that count. They have similar emotions and goals and interests and and values. I think this is very positive. It's very optimistic because all of the hot-button issues of today are totally removed from this analysis. Gender, race, country of origin, how someone looks, how someone talks, these are all irrelevant. These are all irrelevant. And we learn that they're irrelevant 
from experience, from, from exposure. And so we need to bring people together rather than, as individuals, rather than try to lump them as groups and then sort out those lumps and keep them separate. And when you do bring people together, when you allow this exposure to happen, then you can have what I described earlier, this incremental step-by-step approach where you start to see yourself in others. You get the sense of namaste. You say, here's a person who I'm not related to, but we share the similarities that matter. And so I can have empathy with her, I can respect him, and then you take the next step and you interact with someone who doesn't speak the same language, who may look different from a different background or race, and you realize you have far more in similarity where it counts than you do differences. And again, you see yourself in them, and then you can love that person. Love your neighbor as yourself. Anyways, I know I went over today, but I just want to reiterate this idea. Rather than trying to love an abstraction, start with the person in front of you right now and try to understand them, try to connect with them, try to love them. I think that is a much more feasible approach. Anyways, I have to bail, but I will catch you later.